natives of the Florida Keys often refer to themselves as conks, and for good reason, they've been drinking. <laughs> it was David Barry, and he's talking about Key West and the Florida Keys, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I can't. I've never been there as long as I lived in Florida, and I want to go. I have went twice, and that's still not enough. Well, I mean, fucking Florida is like twelve billion hours long. Not as long as or as wide as Texas, but definitely feels like you're going on for fucking ever. This is yes. Jen. This is Becky. And this is Too Close to Home. Welcome. We're going to have a little bit more relaxing, some relaxing episodes before we have the dark episodes. Because, you know, we can't do that to you guys. Mm-mm, or ourselves. Mm-mm. So I truly love the Keys. It's one of my favorite places. I have only been there twice, but I would go at a drop ahead if I could. There's so many... Weird and mysterious things. It's kind of like a beachy savanna, if that makes sense. Okay. And how savannah's got that old feel and that old, like, memories past. Like, I'm sure I'm going to walk by some fucking ghosts and shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but just, you know, uh, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I'm digging that. away again in Margaritaville. And that entertainment was brought to you by Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> Shoot us a message if you think she should try out for American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> she bangs. She bangs. Oh, ma'am. Oh, gosh. That's a real throwback. If you don't understand that joke, your mama's waiting on you. Exactly. <laughs> 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 so let's talk about the keys. In Key West, you're actually closer to Cuba than a Walmart. Oh. It's a last island. That's a fun fact. Right? They have still a Kmart. And that Kmart is uh, got this huge. Is the Kmart still there? Aren't they all out of business now? I don't know. And they might have done something since then. But last time I went, that's how long ago it's been. <laughs> this big ass like mural. I was like, oh, this is gonna be a fancy Kmart. No, no. It looked like it never left the '90s, and then it was <laughs> shrunk. <laughs> and it's all just beachy shit, you oh. know. It's the last island in a coral K archipelago of Southern Florida. US-1 runs all the way through, and people use mile markers along the 100-mile stretch to signify where they are, with Key West being the last at mile marker zero. Hmm. One of my favorite places to say is up in Marathon, which is like the midway point. It's like every key has their own personality. You know, you have Bahia Honda, which looks like a goddamn postcard and has this train trestle and, and like beautiful beaches. You have the Key Deer Reserve in one island. Um, you have ones that are not even inhabited. You have the crazy city of Key West, and then Marathon has a lot of like just like beaches and stuff. When you when you go to Key West, it doesn't really have that many. It's more of a port. That sounded so boring, didn't it? Mm-mm. It's interesting. <laughs> so Duval Street is like the Bourbon Street of Key West. Um, people cut loose, get real wild. They call it the Duval Crawl. Yeah. <laughs> so you bar crawl, and on some wild ass shit that happens there. Oh, I'm sure, just like Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. There was um. A bar that the bottom is just like a normal bar. The next floor up, a topless optional for both patrons and servers alike. Fun. Third floor, everybody naked. Do you have to be naked or can you just go up there and people watch the naked? I think you have to be nakies. Oh, I don't want to But be. you know good and damn well that 99% of them are old white dudes sitting up on that third floor just waiting for somebody mm. to walk in that door. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of old-ass hairy balls who swinging in the wind. Who would want to sit on a chair there after who knows <laughs> whose dick and balls and asshole's been on it? 
And then you come sit down on it. Just little That's booty. how you catch things. Because <laughs> it's South Florida. It's hot. That's how you get pink eyes. It's going to be sweat butt prints everywhere. That's <laughs> how you get pink eyes. you get pink eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch the chairs. <laughs> You're going to get pink eyes. There's no bar stools around here. I mean, you touch where someone's butthole's been, and then you get a little itchy in your eye. <laughs> That's, That's it. You get. That's eye. it. Hold on, I just need to move this stool. Wait, hold on. There's an itch in my eye. <laughs> Pink eye. It's exactly how it happens. Generally. Exactly. Exactly. Just, it's like you're reading from a textbook. <laughs> just letting you know right now, <laughs> we care about you. We and, do. And these are the life tips that you were asking for. <laughs> There were the life tips you didn't know you needed. <laughs> no, exactly. That's it. You're welcome. So, Cayo Hueso is the original Spanish name for Key West. It literally means bone K. That could be in reference to the coral that makes up the island, which is the likely reference, and the other reference to the vast remains of the prior native inhabitants, the Calusa Indians. But it was like, so it's like pet cemetery, but on vacation. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Just full of dead bodies. And Savannah's like that, too. Like, I hear that when it rains in Savannah, bones will sometimes come up through the squares. Hmm. The Oglethorpe squares. Fun. Oh, look at that little thing. Was it a <laughs> stick? Oh, my God. That's an index <laughs> finger bone. I don't know what. Uh, phalange. Phalange. <laughs> well, Good you're going to just find it like it's all connected. It's not going to be connected. I'm Mm-mm. so dumb. <laughs> I'm not a nurse, obviously. <laughs> if you come to me for medical advice... Anyways, Key West was found by mistake. In 1513, the Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon was the first European to visit Key West. Um, he was looking for the Fountain of Youth, which he believed he found in St. Augustine, Florida. He died after a violent encounter with the native Calusa Indian. So, like, he fucked around and found out. <laughs> and English settlers came along. They misheard what it's called. And that's how Key West was named. So they just couldn't understand with the accents. They're like, oh, yeah, Key West. Perf. I got it. Such a white European <laughs> settler thing to do. <laughs> you know, like, what, what? what's your name? No, we're going to call this Mount Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Spain held control of the Keys until 1763 when Britain took control. Which I'm, that's, that's their MO, right? 100%. This is fucking England and this is fucking England. <laughs> I want that. I want that. It's mine. I'm taking it. <laughs> Thank you. Here's some diseases that you didn't have. I'm going to wipe out all your people. Have a good day. Nice doing business with you. Between Spain. Now I'm going to go fuck my sister. Right. <laughs> keeping this bloodline pure. Between Spain and Britain's control, Bahamians had come to Key West and had settlements all over. There was also a ton of smugglers and privateers that also loved the islands and used them to conceal booty and other things. The British did come to try to, like, curb all that, but they were, like, it was really kind of a Wild West kind of an area. Like, you really can't keep up with it. <laughs> it was a de facto ownership, but it mostly, honestly, seemed like nothing was ever really done with it. Like, de facto, like, we own that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. We own it. Maybe because it's a small piece of land or, you know, just maybe because there's larger fish to fry. I don't know. The keys just kind of got forgot about. On March 25th, 1822, Lieutenant Commander Matthew C. Perry, not to be confused with friends, Matthew Perry. <laughs> That's exactly what went into my head. 
sailed the schooner USS Shark to Key West and planted the U.S. flag, claiming the Keys as the United States property. How American. So, America. America. No protests were made over uh, the American claim on Key West, so the Florida Keys became de facto property of the United States. No protest. So the Native Americans that lived there were just cool with it? Oh, I think they were dead by then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to bring bullshit. It's a little, a little salt in the wound. <laughs> by the 1830s, Key West was the richest city per capita in the United States. It's always fun, like, when you hear about a city and you're like, at this one point, this was the Hollywood of America. Well, this point, right. this was this of America. So I can't imagine there being, like, because Key West is so fucking small. Having the like, those had to be some rich motherfuckers. Yeah, this might last... have been bigger then because you know we hadn't melted all the icebergs yet. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't know about global warming yet. Chlorofluorocarbons and that giant iceberg was still out there waiting to get Titanic. So <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but <laughs> this lasted. Uh, this time of like being rich, obviously. Was, it lasted until the 1846 Havana hurricane. You know what hurricanes are about, girl. All about them. I know all about them. <laughs> High winds washed away two lighthouses near Key West, resulting in the deaths of all six people at San Key Light and 14 individuals at the Key West Lighthouse. I would not want to be on the Keys when a hurricane came through. No, nah, dog. Because it's just going to go all 100% over the top of you. Nothing to slow it down either. Bro. Well, that makes me think of like when um, we were learning about the Galveston 1900 hurricane and they're like, everybody got on the train and they made it out between Galveston Island and the inland and the train just went into the water and everybody died. I'm like, fuck. You're talking about that ghost tour we did that we skirted off halfway through? Yes, that was the worst. It was just so fucking hot. It was so hot and then when we went to the bathroom in the midway point, Oh my god! It was the grossest bathroom. You went to like oh, that's you, when my back was jacked up. Mm-hmm. And, like, my back's really hurting, y'all. Uh, we went to go like open the bathroom door, and then all these little roaches came out from under the cracks. <gasps> yes. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. And but b- before that though, we were waiting in line to go to the bathroom, and we're looking at all these little shelves because it's like a little convenience store, and this shit has like expired in like 1999. Yes. And this was not long ago that we did this. This was no. like maybe two years ago, a right year ago. COVID. Yeah. Like. Mm, you might want to check your shit. Like, is this a front for an enterprise? <laughs> I think it was. Are people gambling in the back? Yes. Is this the red light district? That's I don't know. That's what I thought. Do I need to know a code work? I need to get into the speaking. Because they were staged very meticulously to all be expired by me. Decades. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yo, like, I know that they have not used that format for their logo <laughs> in at least 10 years. <laughs> like, that box of cereal is older than me. <laughs> um, those things are discontinued. They found out there was cancer uh, causing properties in those. Mm-mm, no, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> so during the Civil War, while seceding with the Confederates, it remained under Union control and eventually became a safe haven for runaway slaves. Being a major center for salt production from the receding tidal pools, it was abruptly interrupted with the Civil War and, of course, never gained steam because in 1876, there was another hurricane that devastated the area. <laughs> but I was like, I didn't think about them being a salt production, but that's what they get water and they dry it out. And yeah, I'm that's like, interesting. I, I didn't know that. Like, they, they're doing it the hard, hard way. Yeah. That's like uh, artisanal. <laughs> Before all this GMO stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the turn of the century, 
as Key West would be rebuild, it would be dis- devastated over and over again by hurricanes. There was the 1909 Florida Keys hurricane, the 1910 Cuban hurricane, the 1919 Florida Keys hurricane. Despite the hurricanes, they built an overseas railway in 1912 to connect the island chain and make it more accessible to the mainland. This is until Labor Day hurricane in 1935, which destroyed much of the railway and killed hundreds of residents, including about 400 World War I veterans who were living in camps and working on federal road and mosquito control projects in the middle of the Keys. Well, that's sad. That's right. Sorry. Bummer. Being unable to fix it, it remained in ruin till the late 30s. And when I was talking about Bahia Honda earlier with the train trestle, that's the remaining piece that from that original highway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't get over being like, oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle things. <laughs> I got stories to tell. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a long time ago. Are they over it yet? <laughs> it's just my way of coping I'm sorry <laughs> that must have been why they built the big bridge so they could get over it oh! <laughs> damn she wins that was the best joke of the fucking day it's, I'm done we're gonna have to stop right now it's not we've peaked it's not gonna get any better <laughs> from here guys sorry <laughs> what a bummer <laughs> Of course, more and more hurricanes hit it over the years, as well as political unrest in Cuba with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And then in 1982, the city of Key West actually briefly asserted independence as the Conquer Republic as a protest over a United States Border Patrol blockade. Okay, first of all, Key West, I don't know why you're trying to be independent because you can't grow a whole lot of shit down there. No. And you don't need a lot of people. you know they have to ship in their water? See? What what y'all trying to play around for? Yeah, like... Go ahead. Try to survive on your own. Best of luck. Thank you. It was a temporary, uh, as the isolation hurt their tourism, (laughs) but it's still something that is popular today, and they have flags all over the place, and they have an annual celebration on April 23rd. Get out of here. So now it's just a reason to drink. I mean, I'm down for that. (laughs) Of course, we know it as the southernmost point of the contiguous United States, but there are other some neat facts about the Keys to just kind of set the vibe. Neat facts? Neat? Neat facts. (laughs) Ernest Hemingway was a Key West resident. Mm -hmm. Um, The acclaimed writer called Key West home in the 1930s. His polydactyl cat, Snow White, has many descendants who still live in the home, are called the Hemingway cats. Oh. He wasn't the only author to live in the Keys, actually, though. I I knew he lived because you you walk right past it. It's right off of Duval Street. But Tennessee Williams, he lived there. Shel Silverstein, he lived there. Robert Frost, Philip Burton, Judy Bloom. And Elizabeth Bishop. Hmm. All of those people live there. There's a little White House that hosts scores of presidents. And Harry S. Truman actually spent 175 days during his presidency in the Keys. <laughs> like, fuck that shit. I'm going to the Keys. <laughs> um, by the 1830s, locals made their money by salvaging shipwrecks, which is like one of my favorite like fun facts about them. There was a law that if a ship wrecked in like the area around the Keys or Key West, the first person to make it to that boat to rescue owns that boat and all the contents therein. I feel like I've heard that somewhere before. And it was just like some kind of janky ass rule, you know? So then they were like, you know what? Let's make this motherfucker a minefield. They would put just shit out there, like lines, anything they could do to shipwreck people. Oh, they were wrecking them on purpose. So they could... 
So they're pretty much like fucking pirates and shit. And then finally, the wrecking courts closed in 1921 and they reverted to a new way of making money. And it was sponge fishing. So when you're walking around the Keys, you will see a lot of like the natural sponges, the sea sponges. That was their way to get out of like, well, now that we can't do this, here's another money making venture. It became, it like blew up, it was super popular. I don't know if I'd want to bathe with a natural sea sponge now. Like, they what they that. do with them? Eat them? Do you eat them? You bathe with them. You wash yourself with them. Oh, oh, they tur- they dry them out and turn them into like those exfoliating. Yep. Not not like exactly like loofah, but kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about now. But I just think about all the weird ass shit that's in the sea nowadays. There's a lot of pollution. Yeah. <laughs> the third largest barrier reef in the world is in Key West. It extends north towards Miami and west to the Dry Tortugas with its 170-mile... Um, Circumference? Length? Yeah. Uh, it, it covers over 170 miles. Square feet? Miles? Yeah. It's the third largest in the world after the Great Barrier Reef in Australia and the Belize Barrier Reef. The Florida Reef... It, the Florida Reef <laughs> is about four miles wide and houses nearly 1,400 species of marine plants and animals. These are all like really cool things and you have all this nature and all this history. But you know what happens when you have history? Shit gets haunted. Ghost. Ooh. Things get fucking weird. Yep. <laughs> so there are Civil War ports and Annabelle and homes and it's just chock full of spooky shit. You have ghosts at the Hard Rock, Captain Tony Saloon, St. Paul's Church Cemetery and the La Concha Hotel. And it just goes on and on and on. I went the Fun. first time and I stayed up in the middle of the Keys and I said, the next time I'm going, I'm staying in the La Concha. It's like the fanciest one in there. It's the tallest building in Key West and I think it's like four, four or five stories. He was still in the military, so we got this crazy military discount. It was like, instead of $400 a night, it was like $100 a night. Oh, wow. So we stayed there for like a whole week. I felt so stinking bougie. <laughs> but I Googled it. It's super haunted. Very haunted. Okay, first of all, it's the tallest building. You know what happens when you have a really tall building? People try to kill themselves. <laughs> so it's notorious for people jumping off of it. Oh. And then there is um, people who have died in the building because it's like very um, shining in the way. Like the 1920s, there was a lot of mm. deaths and shit. One guy is a bellhop that he gets seen. He's got a, like a tray, a cart tray. And he's backing up into an elevator, and he didn't realize the elevator wasn't there. It was just the shaft, and he fell down to his death. Well, people see him up there. I'm I remember like, you telling me that story. Bitch. I did not sleep any that night. <laughs> so don't Google where you're sleeping until after you fucking leave. No, 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 no. That's not fun. You want to know before so you can go find the spirits. What are you talking about, Jennifer? Come on. I mean, you know me. I'm too fucking nosy. I'm exactly. so fucking nosy I cannot. Exactly. <laughs> So my first story that I want to talk about is Robert the Doll. Have you heard about him before? Mm-mm. Really? Um, this will be fun because I've heard a lot. Like, Okay. Robert Eugene Otto was born in Key West, October 25th, 1900, to really affluent parents. And he went by the name Gene. Now, there are two stories on how Gene received Robert the Doll. There is one that it's the family lived in a large house, which still stands today. At the corner of Simonton and Eaton, the size of the house meant that the family needed help, meaning, you know, indentured service and all that. In a falling out of sorts um, with the family and a, and a 
servant girl and another version says that they caught her practicing voodoo a bahamian nanny gave jean the doll uh, a curt with the curtains attached the more likely story is that it was a present from his grandfather <laughs> that he bought on a trip to germany and gave to jean for his fourth birthday in 1904 <laughs> it's now thought that the doll was never actually intended to be a doll it's thought to be made by steif which is a german toy maker who specializes in plush dolls and perhaps to been manufactured as a part of a clown or a jester display. Mm. It's about three feet tall and it has Ew. black beady eyes. The clothes that Robert wears belongs to Jean or belong to Jean. And he gave the doll his name Robert since Jean went by his middle name. Jean and Robert were BFFs. Bow okay. life. Bow life. Jean took Robert everywhere with him and would be found whispering to Robert, which isn't innately weird. It's the response that Robert would make him return in a much deeper voice. Mm. So, like, you remember The Shining? I've never watched The Shining. Oh, so there is a little boy in The Shining, and he has a friend that lives in his finger. His name is Tony, and he would be like, Tony, what do you think about this? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, with his little finger, so you're like, oh, that's a little fucking weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not something you see kids do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty much like that. Like, Robert, what do you think about this cake my mama made us? I think it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent voices. You're welcome. <laughs> he would blame Robert for anything that he did wrong. If something got broken. If, sure. You know, something got messed up. It wasn't me. It was Robert. There was nightly disturbances noted as well where the family would hear a crazy ruckus and they would find Jean in bed terrified with furniture flipped over and the room in disarray. Robert did that too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you having a seizure up there? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Notably, Robert moves quite a bit on his own. Hmm. Don't you love a haunted doll that moves? Mm, my mm. favorite. Mm. So it was no wonder that servant turnover was super high because people were like freaked the fuck out. Like, oh, yeah, I'd be out. It's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> Doors can shut. Lights can turn on. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. Little Dolls fucker dog moving. comes around the corner. Nah. I'm out. <laughs> Here's my resignation. Effective immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so the family was pretty unsettled and they banished Robert to the attic eventually. Oh, that's a bad idea. Now you're going to piss him off because you locked <laughs> him up in the attic. Right? Now he's going to come down and get you for real. There was a story that Jean's aunt actually did the banishing, and the next day she was discovered dead. See? Told you. Knew it. But they left him up there because they were like, you know what? Just leave it be. Should have brought him down and got him his own room. Brought him <laughs> tea and crumpets every day. <laughs> Whatever the fuck he wants, man. What you want, Robert? <laughs> leave me a little note. I'll turn around. You want some cheesecake? Here you go, bro. <laughs> you want some fried chicken? I got you. <laughs> <laughs> the Otto family was said to hear Robert the doll still moving frequently around the upstairs portion of the house, with his footsteps said to echo throughout areas of the property that were completely empty. He was even said to be heard giggling in the night. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm -mm. No one's got time for that. And so Robert would remain in the attic till Jean's parents passed away. But before that, Jean had grown up, and he turned out to be a very talented artist. Um, he did a lot of paintings and stuff like that. He left the keys to study at the Academy of Fine Arts in Chicago and the Art, Art Students League in New York before traveling to Europe where he developed a personal style decidedly his own. In Paris, that's where he met Annette Parker, a, bit, an, a native of Boston, 
who was studying music there at the time. And they were married May 3rd, 1930. After she finished uh, her studies in Paris, the couple moved to New York for several years, during which Anne performed at the celebrated Rainbow Room at Rockefeller Center as an accomplished pianist. But then once his parents passed, he inherited the family home in Key West, so he and his wife returned to live in the Keys full-time. And that's when Jean discovered Robert was still in the attic, and the obsession with him began once again. Although as an adult, this feels very fucking dark and demented. Yeah. Like, it's cute. Oh, he's got a little friend when it's four. But when you are 44 <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know which one's creepier. A little kid that's talking to the doll. And because little little kid ghosts and stuff freak me out. Or the adult. I don't Ogre. know. They, they both have their equally creepy. Mm-hmm. So he propped Robert up in the window of the front of the house. Uh, okay. School, Adult one is creeping and is edging out the creep. Race. Right. School children and almost anyone walking past the property would say they often saw the doll disappear from sight before appearing again before their eyes. Annette, Eugene's wife, was said to detest Robert. I mean, don't blame her. And she supposedly banished him back up to the attic. She felt like he was watching her sleep. Uh-uh. Nobody got time for that. Okay. He don't need to be in the attic. He need to be the fuck out of here. <laughs> Naturally, he did not take kindly to this, so Robert the Haunted Doll once again placed more demands on Eugene, requesting the turret room of the house because he wanted a room with a view of the street. The turret room is where Robert would remain, with Gene spending copious amounts of time in the room with him while he painted, talking to Robert as if he was a real person. This went on for 40 years until Gene's death in 1974. Robert was supposedly beside Gene's deathbed as he passed. Jean's wife died just two years after her husband saying that she lost her sanity due to Robert the doll. The woman who brought who bought Eugene's house, Myrtle Reuter, <laughs> was Robert's caretaker following the sale of the house. And she kept him for almost 20 years and reported many instances of creepiness, which I'm like, no surprise there. No. Just looking at him, you creeping me out. She often found Robert in an entirely different place than when she had left him. Guests to her home would feel uncomfortable in his presence, and he would often disappear and reappear before their eyes. If anyone spoke negatively about Jean, Robert's already creepy face would somehow look more angry. In 1994, Myrtle donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida, where he still resides today. Hmm. I want to check him out when I go to the Keys. It's very cool. It's like um, on the northeastern side of the island, and it's not really... Like, Did you see it? Oh, Yeah. I, I, was it creepy? Very creepy. It's an old Civil War fort, and I actually, like, I walked through it pretty fast both times, so I didn't take everything in, so I actually learned more by researching this story. <laughs> like, it's just fucking wild. The displays in that museum will be things like sponging and the history about that, Cuban influence, military involvement, writers, all that information. And in one portion, there's Robert the Doll sitting in a glass case. Due to his movement around the museum. Mm-mm. Gotta keep him under lock and key. They said that footsteps would have been heard around the museum at night with no apparent explanation of the noise. And his expression had been known to change in the form of neutral to nasty. Ooh. In a blink of an eye. You can still visit him away today, but beware. Be polite and respectful towards him. Don't try to egg him on. If you want a picture, you must ask for permission or else suffer his wrath. And there really is like... They tell you that when you come in, like, just close your eyes, ask permission, and then take a picture. 
That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything else, but you have to ask. Did you get a picture of him? Yeah, well, Jimmy got like five zillion pictures of him. Did he ask? No. No. Jimmy, Maybe that's Jimmy, why we Jimmy. ended up in Augusta, Jimmy. <sighs> Anyways. That's why your life has fallen to shambles. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost destitute. Almost. <laughs> I can only have my maid come once a month. <laughs> Anyways, all over in that exhibit area are letters from people who are apologizing because when they left from the museum, crazy shit would happen. Their house burnt down. Their kid died. Their dog ran away like all these wild things and they're apologizing so Robert will leave them alone oh shit you read that shit too and didn't ask for permission Jimmy I know you really trying to fuck around and find out so there are actually over 1,000 letters in total and the museum keeps and catalogs every one of them for future reference ghost hunters TV shows psychic skeptics and believers visit Robert on a regular basis to witness firsthand the strange stories they have heard and that's Robert the Doll. That's pretty cool. That was fun. He's like the inspiration for like Annabelle mm-hmm. and for Chucky and stuff like that. Like legit. But he does not look. When you first see him, you just think he's like a very old ass doll. I got to look. But then you start really looking and his eyes are unsettling. He's wearing a little sailor's outfit. And his face does seem to change. But I don't know if that's just like lighting or whatever. But hmm. He's pretty creepy. And he's like about this big when he's sitting down in his little chair in his little ga- glass his case. Little sailor outfit. Is that what it is? A sailor outfit? Mm-hmm. And that belonged to Gene himself, which I don't know why that makes me feel like that's super morbid because now Gene's dead and everything. Right. Let's go on to an even worse story. Okay. This is the Dr. Frankenstein of Key West. Carl Tanzler was born February 8th 1877 in Dresden, Germany, and grew up in Imperial Germany, which was the Second Reich. He had several aliases, George Carl Tanzler, Carl Tanzler von Kossel, even Count Carl Tanzler von Kossel. In his early childhood, he said he would be regularly visited by one of his dead ancestors who kept showing him the face of his one true love, an exotic dark-haired woman. Just prior to the outbreak of World War I, Carl ended up in Australia. Once he began to be interred, which is was common for the UK and Commonwealth as many transient citizens of enemy countries lived in these areas and fears of like sabotage and espionage were like super high. They would restrict these people's movement, their employment. They were required to register them. Like I would think like probably how we would view Russians today, like, you know, because of all the things that's happening with Russia's, it would be if we were trying to track all their citizens over here and be like real dicks about it. Yeah. <laughs> He would be imprisoned in Trial Bay Gall, a public works prison and internment camp in New South Wales, Australia. And he wrote of his time here in the Rosicrucian Digest in 1939. Many years ago, Carl von Kossel traveled to India to Australia with the intention of proceeding to the South Sea Islands. He paused in Australia to collect equipment and suitable boats and to become acquainted with the prevailing weather and sea conditions. I love that he's talking about himself. However, he, again, not I, he, became interested in engineering and electrical work there, bought property, boats, and Oregon, an island in the Pacific. 
<laughs> Bro, you didn't buy no damn island. So that he was still in Australia at the end of the 10 years. He had just begun a trans-ocean flyer when the war broke out, and the British military authorities placed him in a concentration camp for safekeeping, along with many officers from India and China who were also prisoners of war. Later, he was removed to the trial bay to a castle-like prison on the cliffs, and that's where, and there the work in his, this narrative was accomplished. At the end of the war, no prisoner was permitted to return to his former residence, but all were shipped back to the prisoner's exchange in Holland. When Carl von Kossel, again, still talking about himself, <laughs> was released, he set out to find his mother, from whom he had not heard since the beginning of the war. Finding her safe, he remained with her for three years, witnessing the chaos that followed in the wake of the war. And finally, she suggested her son return to his sister in the United States. End quote. I was like, bro, come on. You had to really church up your dumbass trip. Right? Like, oh my God, I was in tournament. <laughs> I don't really know much about internment, so I really hope it really wasn't bad. <laughs> that probably was a dick move. I mean, when am I not doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Around 1920 and during his return to Germany, he met and married Doris Schaefer. They had two children, Aisha Tanzler, born in 1922, and Clarista Tanzler in 1924, who died at just 10 years old of diphtheria. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> In 1926, he immigrated to the U.S. to join his sister and her family in good old Zephyr Hills, Florida. There we go. Do you remember Zephyr Hills water? Mm-hmm. That's my favorite water. <laughs> and it's like stupid cheap. I don't know. Side note. Totally random. <laughs> he sailed from Rotterdam to Cuba and then up to Florida. Uh, his family later joined him there in Zephyr Hills. However, he would not stay long. And he took a job as a radiology technician in the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West. You know what that is, right? He was x-ray tech. Mm-hmm. He, me and him, we'd have been paddling around. You're not going to want to paddle around with him, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> it was sarcasm, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> His skills were so impressive that he was called doctor. And real doctors even left terminal cases in his care. Okay, first of all, <laughs> lies and garbage. <laughs> Get out of here with that. <laughs> it was the doctor's here. like, you're so good. I'm going to step aside. I guess he like. It'd... Okay, that's what they say about me too. <laughs> like, that'd be like, Becky, I need you to come in here and perform this heart surgery. On it. <laughs> I Doc. got these skills, bro. <laughs> Doc, go take a lunch break. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to take this fast and loose and you're like twirling <laughs> scalpel in your fingers let's go <laughs> crank up the juice and crank up the tune what are we doing today <laughs> oh we're amputating no heart surgery Whew. we were close <laughs> I'm amputating the heart <laughs> ah, he don't need that <laughs> uh -uh. I don't have one so <laughs> neither do I <laughs> That's why we get along so well. It is, it is. We can't hurt each other's feelings when we don't have feelings. It was here on April 22nd, 1930. He married. He married. He met Maria Elena Malagro de Hoyos. She was renowned in the area for her beauty and recognized as a dark haired woman. Prophesized in his dream. The 22 year old beauty resembled the childhood premonition so closely that he immediately became convinced that their love was meant to be. Oh, no, never good when they just yeah become convinced the love is meant to be. 
He was in his 50s. Oh. Mm. Um, and there was no evidence to suggest this was a mutual feeling. <laughs> she was a Cuban-American and daughter of local cigar maker Francisco Pancho Hoyos. And she was diagnosed. Diagnosed. I was like, diagnosis. <laughs> with tuberculosis after her mother brought her in due to feeling ill. This was a fatal diagnosis at the time. And one of her two sisters also succumbed to this illness just a few years after Helen or Elena. They mention her name different ways. She got married to Luis Mesa in 1926, but after a miscarriage, he left to Miami and abandoned her. She was still legally Rude. married to him for the rest of her life. Carl, despite the lack of qualifications, was sure with his medical expertise that he could and would save her. He would lavish her with gifts from jewelry to nice clothes, and then he would also try experimental treatments on her with permission of her family due to offering all of this free of charge. They were poor families. I mean, he said, I got a shot. It's a shot of penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on a cure right up. <laughs> penicillin. <laughs> I'm going, I really feel like I should name this episode that. <laughs> <sighs> You're just like banging out the jokes like you are on fire today. <laughs> So he used a variety of specially made tonics, elixirs, and medicines as well, like yeah, X-ray and electrical equipment. <laughs> oh, he was family home. Carl also administered painful treatments using a device that included electrodes. He thought charging her oxygen electrons with electrodes could possibly cure her. We still do that today. <laughs> we just charge up the oxygen electrons. <laughs> My oxygen's running low. Do you have an oxygen charger? No, just Tesla ones? Okay. up to the car battery. (laughs) That's what I do when I'm feeling a little short of breath. (laughs) You know what I do is I just take those little duster things, little air dusters, just (laughs) get a little high, but you know. Works. Same outcome. (laughs) I get real charged. Real charged. Makes me think of, um, have you ever seen the intervention with the lady who was addicted to those duster things? No. Oh my God. That poor gal. She was tore up with that stuff. Like she would have bags of cans of them. But at one point she was high as fuck. She goes, (laughs) (laughs) and anytime someone mentions that show intervention, that's the fucking scene that comes into my head. Now I'm walking on the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. We digress. (laughs) Eventually, she would not be saved and passed away in her parents' home October 25th, 1931. In his grief, he offered to pay for her funeral, and then with permission of her family, he commissioned an elaborate above-ground mausoleum. Her family was actually unaware that he alone held the key for the mausoleum, and he also had a phone installed in it. Oh, creepy. It's going to get really dark and creepy, isn't yeah. it? He also had a death mask made of her face. Jesus, Mother Mary. During this time period, embalming was super expensive and very uncommon, especially in the Keys, because it was, at the time, very fucking out there, rural. But he insisted on her being embalmed and paid for that as well. He insisted on an airtight casket with an incubator tank full of formaldehyde to prevent decay. He was going in there. He would visit her every night. And he stated that he would sing her her favorite Spanish song. 
and her spirit would speak to him and tell him to take her from her grave. I've heard different versions of this, however. I was told he didn't speak a lick of Spanish and he would have to write down the song that she sang to him and have a friend who was bilingual translate it. Um, I'm sure that was made up, though, because apparently he learned to speak Spanish. And the song is Boda Negra, which means black wedding. And it sounds so sweet when you don't know the words. Then you realize it's pretty dark. on the sizzling plate. <laughs> <laughs> Killing me. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's almost like I could smell the tortillas in the air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Boda Negra. Um, this is the English translation. Listen to the story I was once told by an old grave digger of the region. It was about a lover who by ungodly luck had his love Sweet little beloved taken by death. Every night he went to the cemetery to visit the tomb of his sweet beloved. The townspeople secretly whispered that he was a dead man who escaped the pit. On a horrendous night, he shattered to pieces the abandoned marble tomb. He dug the earth and carried in his arms the rigid skeleton of his beloved. This is the song, bro. And it's what he's doing. And there in the sad and gloomy room, he mourned under a feeble flame. He sat beside her cold and rigid bones and celebrated his wedding with his dead beloved. He tied her bare bones with ribbons, her rigid skull he crowned with flowers. He'd covered her decaying mouth with kisses and proclaimed his love to her with a smile. He took his bride to their soft wedding bed, lying next to her in love, when he remained asleep forever while embracing her rigid skeleton. And he remained asleep forever while embracing her rigid skeleton. That's beautiful. <laughs> when I got the song first, like I was like, oh my God, this is actually. I'm like, I didn't look up the translation. I was like, this is kind of like, I really like this. She's a beautiful singer. And then I got to that and I was like, ooh, this is dark. This feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> this feels uncomfortable. <laughs> So for the next two years, he visited her, and eventually he lost his job at the U.S. Marine Hospital. No reason was specifically stated, but I'm sure people, him telling people that his dead crush is talking to him still isn't exactly employee of the month material. <laughs> I don't like that. I think I'm going to go with good call, Jennifer. And he's good walking call. around singing a song about a dead woman that he's holding her rigid skull in, and I'm just going to say that's not a vibe. It's not. <laughs> I'm like, can I get someone else to do my x-rays and my heart surgery? <laughs> This really pale skin reminds me of my beloved. (laughs) You're just way warmer. (laughs) He stopped visiting the cemetery, but his behavior kept getting more and more unusual over the next seven years. His neighbors find it curious that he routinely buys women's clothes and lots of perfume. And a boy claims to have seen Carl in the window dancing with what looks like a supersized doll. Mm. 
There are a lot of rumors that Carl has a new love interest in his life who wasn't human and was, in fact, the dead body of Helena de Hoyos. This is when Elena's sister got suspicious and she marched on over there. Because <laughs> um, I can see you do that. Like, if somebody had done that to your brother, yeah. hold the fuck up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, Alicia, Alicia, <laughs> put him back in the ground and cut this shit out. Cut this shit out. <laughs> you better not right, where. This was when her sister found her, a shadow effigy of a beauty that once was, and called the police. During an autopsy, they discovered the horrors that he committed to keep Elena alive. He attached the corpse's bones together with piano wire and fitted the face with glass eyes. As her skin de- decomposed and fell away, he would use silk cloth soaked in wax and plaster of Paris to repair it. He also used it to reconstruct her face when he touched her up, as well as with mortician's wax. As the hair fell out of Elena's decomposing scalp, he fashioned a wig from her hair, which had, uh, it was like a piece of, like a little length of hair that his her mother cut off and gave to him. So he gave, it did a wig and then added that piece to it. Fucking creepy. Super fucking creepy. Um, he filled the corpse's abdominal and chest cavity with rags to keep the original form. And he dressed Elena's remains in stockings, jewelry, and gloves and kept the body in his bed. He used copious amounts of perfume, disinfectants, and preserving agents to mask the odor and forestall the effects of the corpse's decomposition. If you were squeamish, you might want to skip ahead for like 20, 30 seconds, okay? The most disturbing part of this macabre restoration was the tube he inserted in her vaginal cavity, which, of course, Carl denied any necrophilia happened. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Sure, 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 sure. When he had taken her body, he did discover that even though she had been embalmed to his specifications, she had severely decomposed, leading to all these practices and his constant work to keep her um, preserved. He would also weigh her every day to double-check her decomposition and make sure she wasn't completely wasting away. Because as they you decompose, you end up mummifying and drying out, so you get lighter and lighter. So he would just, like, keep stuffing her with stuff and putting stuff on her and... What a weirdo. I uh, know. Well, you remember that um, that movie, Death Becomes Her? Mm-mm. Oh, gosh. It's such a good movie. It's got Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep, and um, Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis is a rich mortician, and he's married to Meryl Streep's character. Goldie Hawn's character is like an old girlfriend of his. Well, comes to find out there's this fucking crazy like pl- like palace place that has this lady who's older than fucking time and she has the pretty much the fountain of youth in this little vial and it like makes you look young and hot again and stuff well both her and Goldie Hawn both take it and the I'm sorry for all this plot spoilers but I feel like I have to explain <laughs> all this now <laughs> anyways the one rule is you have to change your Denny like every 10 years or some shit like that and you can't, if you die or if somebody does something to you, you still stay alive like a zombie form. And that's what happens to both of those bitches. And as they're getting older, like he dies later on and um, they're shown at the funeral and they're both like using like spray paint on their skin because it's like peeling off and they're losing <laughs> hands and fingers and shit. And I'm like, this is like a real life death becomes her. <laughs> yeah. What happened was in April 1933, Carl was... Carl, with the aid of a toy wagon, hauled Elena to his makeshift laboratory. It was in the shape of a plane, and it was called Elena's airship. He planned to eventually use that plane to bring Hoyos back to life. He thought he could fly her 
high into the atmosphere so that radiation from outer space could penetrate our tissues and restore life to a somnolent form. Somnolent form. There we go. Carl slept with the corpse every night in their marital bed. <laughs> and he was so obsessed that he did not even mind the smell of decay. Furthermore, he and Elena's corpse enjoyed dinners and danced together by the fire. Mm. I'd be worried, like, she catch on fire. She's dying. <laughs> she did. You, you got all this fucking chemicals Yosh. next to open flames. What are you telling? She have the little flammable symbol on her? <laughs> Bitch could go up any time. <laughs> Carl would later be examined by a psychiatrist and found competent to stand trial. And he was charged with wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. This would not stick because the statute of limitations had expired and he walked away a free man. Mm. Weirdly, as is the Floridian way, they actually felt bad for Carl and viewed him as an eccentric, hopeless romantic. I mean, some, okay. some say romance is dead. I'd watch Lifetime <laughs> if they made this into a movie for heartwarming qualities alone. <laughs> Don't worry, Elena. I'll fix your nose. <laughs> I'm going to say that I hope that JJ loves me more than anything in the world, but I hope he doesn't love me that much. No, 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 no. If he does, I'm, I got you, girl. Don't you got me? Her. All right. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you. Emboldened by public support, when he's released, he asks for Elena's body back. His request is denied. I would hope so. <laughs> uh, her body would be examined by doctors and pathologists and then... It was put on display where nearly 7,000 people came to view her body at the Lopez funeral home. I'm not going to lie. Go look. Are you right? <laughs> well, this, it gets better. A man named Riley Carbonell remembered what a big deal it was. Back then, I knew everyone on the island, and everybody I knew saw the body. Elena was about four feet, eight, and tiny. Just looking at you over there. <laughs> her body was recreated mostly from paraffin wax. Her face looked kind of moony. The hair was real, but the rest of her was nothing but wax or maybe cornstarch. They even let the kids out of school that day so that oh, they shoot. too could see the body. I don't think I'd take the kids with me. <laughs> I think I'd leave them at home. <laughs> I'll leave you in the car. I'll crack a window. Don't worry. She was reburied in an unmarked grave to prevent another theft of her body. They removed all the extensive things Carl had added to her and broke it into small pieces and placed it in a tiny box. From there, she was buried in secret with only the chief of police, the undertaker, and the cemetery sexton as witnesses to the location of her body. Dang, her folks didn't even know? Nope. Dang. There are some rumors that it was buried near the sexton's office so that he could always keep watch over her. Um, there are also rumors that Elena's sister knew about this and was holding it over his head and was getting money from him. So I think that might have something to do with that. He did not replace Elena with another body as it, it wasn't the body he wanted so much as Elena. Right. In 1944, he moved to Pasco County, Florida, close to Suffer Hills. And as he leaves town from Key West, he set off a bomb at the site of Elena's mausoleum as a way to show authorities what wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave really looks like. <sighs> It is here where he wrote an autobiography that appeared in the pulp section, Fantastic Adventures, in 1947, and it accounts very openly about Elena and his beliefs. His home was near his wife, Doris, who apparently helped support Tanzler in later years, and he received United States citizenship in 1950 in Tampa. <laughs> if that's not the most Tampa thing I've ever. What? Right. Well, I mean, it was such a limitation pass, you know. I just loved her. <laughs> He's a homeless romantic. 
Uh, hmm. <laughs> he went on to live alone for the rest of his life, which would only be another 12 years. And his final diary entry states, Human jealousy has robbed me of the body of my Elena, yet divine happiness is flowing through me, for she has survived death. Forever and ever, she is with me. He dies in 1952, and his body wasn't discovered for probably around three weeks. Eesh. He still had Elena's death mask and had fashioned a life-size doll and attached it to that doll. Jesus. It had been reported that he had died with the model in his arms. Supposedly, in the 80s, renovation workers found a note written by Carl confessing to the uh, murdering Elena. Quote, she died because I gave this to her mercifully. I mixed the root of wolfsbane, which is monkshood, with aconite diluted. It was palatable. And my loved one departed this miserable world on October 25th, 1931. Suffer no more, sweet Elena. I sent you to angels with my golden elixir. The note was found in an old cottage, and the workers took it to the police, which surmised that it was Count Carl Tanzler who wrote it. Hmm. So he probably killed her. Probably. Good job, Carl. What a. F- and that is the story person. of the Dr. Frankenstein of Key West. Nah. You need to look up her body real quick. While I'm listing off my sauces, because I have a lot. What was her name again? Hel- Hel- uh, Helen. Put Carl Tanzler and Elena, E L E N A. Because there will be a picture of him. He's like a little old man. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's her body with the. Mm hmm. That's creepy. Very. She was very pretty. She, she was. was alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very beautiful. The doll does not look like her. <laughs> That's a lot of mortician's wax, Tony. <laughs> so my sources are Wikipedia, 33traveltips.com, ranker.com, hauntedrooms.co.uk, robertthedoll.org, which um, I think the East Martello Museum runs that one. Uh, definitely check out their website, too, and support them. Artisthousekeywest.com, which was the home that Jean owned. And you actually can go and stay in it now. It's like a uh, bread and breakfast. Sun Sentinel, All That's Interesting, Museum Facts, KQED, Horror Obsessive, and the Nightmerica Podcast, Episode 44, which Nightmerica was, they had a, they had a guy who um, was a historian on Key West and all this stuff. Oh, cool. And I honestly learned a shit ton from that because even have gone there because they talk about Elena in the East Martelli Museum too because these are two of like the most famous cases of weird ass shit happening in the <laughs> West and you know like I knew the story I knew that he did that to her body I knew that he got off with it and died later on but I did not know about the killing I did not know exactly what you know like it, it was just but definitely check out that podcast they, they do a great job and that's this weird Key West that was fun. That was a very fun episode. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> now, do you want to go to QS? Yeah, I still do. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's where I learned about the uh, cascarilla powder because that was from the. Oh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, there's like this guy uh, who does um, like ghost tours and stuff like that. And it was funny because he was like the one who kind of made ghost tours popular in the nation. Like, it, I guess his company spurred that shit or whatever. Well, when he got divorced, his wife got the company and he had to 
he couldn't compete for like a certain amount of years. And that year when we went, me and Jimmy went was the year that it came up. So he was finally able to go out and do, holy shit, this man was super knowledgeable. Hmm. He knew so much stuff. And he walked us around. There's like all these different ghost stories about there's a church that had a lot of fires happen in it and that you can feel heat in the windows or people touching the windows on the inside of the building. Oh, wow. Like they're trying to get out. There's, he takes you to um, cemeteries where, you know, that are supposedly haunted. You feel like there's, I mean, it was so fucking good. And he gave us holy water at the end. So you, you can't go wrong with that. No, absolutely not. Keeping my spirit safe. Always. I mean, or catching myself on fire. Either one. Hail Satan. <laughs> 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 Thank you guys for all the new ratings that we've seen on the platforms. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We love the feedback. Keep on doing it. If you haven't already, we'd really greatly appreciate that. Follow us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, the TikToks. My mom got stupid excited the other day because she was going through her TikTok. And she does follow us, but it kept coming up. All our TikToks because she's like, I'm just so proud of (laughs) y'all. Thanks, mom. (laughs) DM us if you have your own too close to home stories. And check out our merch if you want to rep us and spread the sickness. That, that is, is us. Us. You're welcome. You know, you You're have welcome. a great time with us. Also, yes, we make a lot of uncomfortable jokes, but how else are we going to cope? Exactly. Tell me you didn't laugh at that. It's a bummer. They laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so we're changing for up format just for the next um, several weeks where we're going to just release on Saturdays. And miss the Wednesdays as we are preparing for some larger scaled and more intricately ones like stories and the research is like more than we anticipated. And we definitely want to make sure that our quality is high and that we're keeping it true to material. So we decided just to, you know, release the one per week. And then on top of that, just try to get ready for the holidays and get stories prepared before then so we could spend time with our families and um, we and think we have some other big changes going on that yes. are requiring a little bit extra time away from research. And like Jennifer said, we want quality over quantity. Yeah, we do our own research, our own social media, our own marketing and all that. So until I get rich one day and have those people. Yes, we have to do it ourselves. <laughs> and by ourselves, I mean Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to do something. <laughs> if he wants to be... Uh, taking care of man one day he's got to put his contribution in you're damn right you want that yacht jimmy you want the ss clutch my pearls <laughs> then you better work for it you better work well first Pepper of all, girl i i don't believe we ever said that men were going to be allowed on the ss clutch you my know pearls. what you're right you're right yeah. that's going to be a woman's only retreat there's yes. going to be a, a massage person that lives on that bitch 24 7 i wanted to look like goldie hans yacht though from overboard do you remember yes with the shoe rack and everything man and if we could have a young kurt russell looking guy be like our little servant that would be the tits (laughs) agreed i second that motion (laughs) so sorry no jimmy no jj no boys Mm -mm -mm. we'll get you little rascals we'll get you a little yacht like a little dinghy or something a little bell on it get you little hats look like sailors (laughs) exactly some uh, boat shoes yeah (laughs) Y'all can paint it up with like Spider-Man on the side or whatever I just the hell. see them in the middle of a fucking pond on this little tiny boat. Both of them wearing sailor hats playing D&D. Uh, yeah. 100%. JJ just rocking it, trying to get it back to can, a nat 20. Can we uh, cruise by in our yacht and splash them? Oh, yes. 
we can. Absolutely. And us, bitches. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> with the, they're sitting there with their sailor hats on, and we just splash them as we drive by with our glasses of champagne. <laughs> well, until next time, stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And do bring it too close to home by going to Key West and visiting all those creepy ass sites because it sounds like fun. Yes. Oh my God. They have um, Fantasy Week, I think is what they call it. And it's like she, people walking around naked and dr- just drinking. It's like a fucking free for all. The Keys are the wildest place. Their Pride Week is Chef's Kiss. Oh, I'm sure. It was like parades everywhere. It was the best gay dream I've ever lived in in my life. <laughs> there was ticker tape and people were dressed in amazing clothing oh, and everybody yeah. was happy and there was so much love in the air and it was like fuck I will never come any other time of the year right the shit is balling <laughs> bye bye if you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook at Too Close Podcast on Instagram or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com thanks for listening